Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Working Blind. I'm your host Holly Scott Gardner and on this podcast I interview blind people about their careers. Today I'm joined by Kevin Satisabel who is a communications officer for Thomas Pocklington Trust. Hi Kevin, thanks for joining me. Hi Holly, really great to be here. Yeah, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm just uh, relaxing, taking it easy and uh, yeah, just... uh, but it'll be it'll be the week soon so getting ready for another week at work <laughs> oh I know the feeling soon yeah. Monday it always comes around it does the weekend flies doesn't it it definitely does so I'd like to get started by just asking you a bit about yourself so if you could briefly tell me about your blindness and the cause of that if you're comfortable sharing okay so I was born um, three months premature and I was born in Popayan, Colombia. And basically at the time, the technology really wasn't very advanced. So I got put in an incubator, was given too much light and oxygen, which kind of destroyed my retina and caused a condition called ROP or retinopathy of prematurity. Basically left me with light perception in one eye. Um, And yeah, I've had a few operations and things like that, but obviously at the moment it's it's an incurable level of blindness. So I've been blind all my life. And what was your education like growing up? A bit mixed. My my education was a bit mixed growing up um, because initially I started studying in England. I did uh, reception in year one. And then I went to Colombia and that brought a lot of challenges because the teachers didn't really know Braille. Um, I kind of experienced a lot of bullying because of my visual impairment. People didn't really understand it. And I even got that from a couple of my teachers who were like, you know, I mean, I didn't help myself to be fair. I was no angel. Uh, But I think part of that was I became very defensive because I was facing so many of those challenges. Um, and especially because when I was younger, I was like, I felt invincible in a way. I felt like I can do so much stuff that my other friends can do. You know, I could ride bikes and and do all sorts of things. And 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 I didn't really understand it. But yeah, education was tough. Um, and then when I was about nine years old, I came back to England again. So definitely a, a real mix. And I had to relearn all of my English when when I came back from Colombia after living there a few years. So like I said, it was a mixed bag, definitely. And what was that like being a blind person who'd returned to England speaking English as a second language, but also having to contend with learning things like assistive technology? Yeah, assistive technology was a revelation because in Colombia, I was using a Braille machine, uh, you know, a heavy kind of, you know, technical mechanical thing and then I came to England and I got taught how to touch type and that really revolutionized my world and really taught me about technology um and it was it was tough again because there was the language barrier I was having to learn English and get myself understood so not only was I blind but I also couldn't speak so in uh, speak English so my primary years were tough as well actually again a lot of misunderstanding a bit of bullying going on um but you know I just I just kept plugging away and I kept plugging away I had a very good learning support assistant who was very creative and used to do tactile diagrams and things like that for me so yeah 
That's really good to hear. I think that creativity from the teams of people who support us is so vital for us to be successful when we're in education. Definitely. Yeah. If it hadn't been, and you know, this lady is amazing. She, um, she learned Braille with me as well. So when she first started, she didn't know any Braille. So we kind of learned together and she was always really, really creative. And it just sparked my love of language, love of education. She would go above and beyond and give me extra spelling tests as well. Um, and that really developed my my love of language and my love of English. And that's one of the reasons why I think I was able to learn it back again so quickly. That's really, really cool to hear, especially considering that your job now relies on, well, communication is at its core. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what was it like going into secondary school after you'd been through primary school? What kind of secondary school did you go to? And did you think about careers when you were in secondary school? So I've always been going to mainstream education. My parents uh, were thinking about me going into more specialist education, but um, they were kind of dissuaded against it because they said, you know, Kevin's come from Colombia. I think they said they they kind of thought I would thrive in mainstream education. Um, and so that's why I kind of stuck with it. And I went to secondary school. There was a really good... Uh, support team helping disabled students so that was really invaluable and one thing that they did which I thought was really good was like because I was VI there was a couple of privileges that I get like oh being able to go uh, into lunch a little bit earlier and things like that and they asked uh, one or two students to kind of come along me with me and asked me to kind of vary the, the students that could come along and help me out so rather than giving me an LSA, they encouraged other students. And yeah, maybe first, like some of them, you knew that they were just doing it for the privileges and very quickly I didn't ask them again. But then it was a really good way of just getting to know people and getting friends and stuff like that because it kind of broke that ice. And my teacher at the very beginning was like, look, everyone, Kevin is blind. Um, and she talked to me about this before. She's like, are you happy to talk about it? I said, yeah, sure. I, I'm all up for honesty and being transparent. So she said to everyone, you know, this is Kevin, he's blind, he's happy to talk to you. And people asked me questions. And that was a really great thing that everyone broke the barrier. And my secondary school as a consequence, my secondary school experience was so much better. I think that's really cool as well, that you were given control over which students came with you rather than being told, oh, well, it's these two today and then tomorrow you'll have these two, you know, so you, like you said, you could stop asking the ones you thought were only coming with you because of the perceived perks they were getting. Right, exactly. I think that was really good. And it meant that I was able to, you know, build that friendship circle as well. Yeah. And when you were in secondary school, moving on more to sixth form, how did you make decisions about what you were going to study and thinking about your future? And who really led you towards thinking about careers? You know, was it your family or was it the school or did it come from you? So uh, music was kind of a very big part of that and something we haven't touched on yet, because as well as going to school at, at weekends, I was doing music college I'd got into the Royal College when I was 10 years old to do a scholarship there so music was always in the back of my mind um, I think my support teachers my learning support assistants were the ones that you know really encouraged me um, but it was quite a natural progression I think I just wanted to follow the subjects I really enjoyed I knew I really liked English I toyed with doing history and religious studies for a long time and eventually I went for religious studies 
Um, and then, you know, we had kind of a, a further education college that was partnered with my school. So it was a natural progression to finish my GCSEs and go on from there. And, you know, again, I, I really credit my learning support assistants for being encouraging. Um, maths wasn't one of my strongest points. And one of my LSAs literally was coming around on a Sunday to give me extra teaching because she had a, a, a maths knowledge and, and could I knew it. And that really helped me so much to get the grades that I needed to be able to progress and go on to my education. And also my parents were very supportive. Um, I think it's so important for parents to be supportive um, and, and work together to, to you know, encourage your blind child to follow their dreams. Yeah, I think that's so true. Family support is incredibly helpful. And honestly, I'm like blown away by how dedicated you must have been because not only were you in school five days a week, you then had music school, which is an incredible achievement in itself to win that kind of scholarship and to be that dedicated and then to be studying maths extra on a Sunday. I was never <laughs> that dedicated. I'm, wow. <laughs> you know, I, I, when I, I did music for eight years and I, went from primary to secondary to college and when I got to uni I was like oh a Saturday what do I do with a Saturday you know it was like a day that I'd never ever had and you know Sundays was always doing homework and yeah I, but I, I think that dedication also came at cost because I didn't really have much of a social life outside school I got on with friends but nobody ever really invited me to go out and stuff. And so I guess I just threw myself into my music and my studies. So yeah, I think everything comes at a cost, but it's fine. I made up for it when I got to uni. <laughs> Definitely. That, that's true. And it is hard. I mean, whether you're a gifted student or whether it's because it's harder to make friends, all those things, I think there is only so much time and sometimes you have to sacrifice a social life but what the one thing that really stood out to me is that you said when you got to university you realized how much free time you had so what did you end up studying at university and how did you choose the university you were going to and what was that whole experience like so when I was thinking about university um I knew that music was going to be a big part and my question, I also was very interested in doing psychology. So for a long time, I toyed about doing psychology and music, which would have been more of an academic degree or doing a more kind of practical uh, music degree. And I got a place at Royal Holloway to go and study psychology and music. But in the end, the practical kind of won me over because I was doing music school. People were like, you're gonna, you wanna be playing uh, and doing composing. And I was like, do you know what? I really love the practical. You know, I am I am academic and I'd be fine, but I'm just going to follow my heart and follow my passion. So that's why I decided to go ahead and do the practical music degree at Birmingham Conservatoire. And so I got in to do composition and I was also doing piano as well. That is really amazing. I think so many of us get really bogged down with thinking, well, what should I do? What do other people want me to do? What's expected of me? And how many of us actually go, you know what, I'm going to follow my dream and then take life as it comes afterwards. So I think that's actually really, really cool that you chose to do that. And um, after you finished university, I mean, you've ended up in a communications job. What was the years like in between finishing uni and ending up in the job you're in? How did that path happen really to get you from a to b so when i finished uni 
like I think a lot of students, you know, you, I've just done a music degree, which was great, but it, there's no clear career progression unless you're going to be a performer or, you know, a well-known composer. And, you know, I just realised that that wasn't going to be the path that I, I was going to go down. So after, you know, two months of sitting there watching Netflix, I was like, I really need to do something with my life. Um, and Blind in Business was a charity that kind of really helped in that regard. My dad had come across them in a fair thing that they were doing like an employment fair near his work and he got their contact details. So I reached out to them and I said, look, I need to try and get a job. And so they really helped me with CV writing, interview technique. Um, and one of their events, I uh, got chatting to somebody from Channel 4 and we had a really good discussion and he was like, you should apply. And literally when I got home, a marketing job had come in and I knew nothing about marketing, but he'd said to me that they, they would guarantee an interview if you're disabled. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and bluff this because even if I don't get the job, I think the interview experience is gonna be really invaluable. So I did, a, I, I did my research, did a, a good application, got the interview, learned a lot about myself. You know, I didn't speak up enough during the group stage, got some very, very good feedback and, then started looking into marketing, doing my research, going on Twitter. And then I just decided to, okay, let's try to do some volunteering. So I got in touch with the charity, you know, told them about my Channel 4 experience and they invited me to go and do an interview. And uh, volunteering was my way forward. I learned on the job, literally, I've never done a communications qualification. Uh, I've just learned on the job and I, I didn't leave, so eventually they gave me a job. <laughs> I that's, was there for about six months. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. I love that you just persisted and your persistence ended up turning into an actual job. I think that's such a really cool story because, you know, we talk a lot about volunteering and I think volunteering has great power to change your life. I know in my own life, I have a really full CV. And a lot of that is because I got involved in so many different causes that I was interested in and voluntary causes. But I love how you're saying for you, it turned from be, you know, being a volunteer and gaining some skills to actually proving that you were an asset to this organization. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think one other thing is, uh, I learned was just have ideas and see where they can go, like be of value to the organization. I, when I first went into my interview, um, there was a there was a website, and there still is. It's called Audio Boom, but a few years ago it was called Audio Boo, and it was very kind of audio focused, very community focused. And I'd been chatting, I'd been on the platform a few weeks, somehow ended up being invited to uh, a forum with users, and their new CEO was there. And so we got chatting over a few drinks and I said, look, I've got an interview at a site loss charity tomorrow. I think it would be really good if you guys could partner and it would be a really good way for them to promote themselves. And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. So I went into my interview and I said, oh, by the way, I've just set you guys up with an interview with this CEO. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> and the boss was like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. So I was like, already from day one, I was like, I'm going to see how I can be of value. And I think that's, that's, you know, you never know. All you've got to do is ask. And I think networking is so important. That is absolutely incredible. And I love how proactive you were in getting something for the organization. So you could come into that interview and be like, this is what I've done before you've even given me the job. Look what I could do if I had the job. I <laughs> <Exactly>. absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, 
And now you're in this job, what kind of adaptations do you require or how do you approach the tasks of your job? Because I imagine within communication, you're asked to do quite varied things. So I'm presuming you're a user of assistive technology, but what else do you make use of or how do you use your assistive tech to do your job? So I use uh, JAWS on my computer, which is a screen reader. Um, Maybe like to kind of do all my written content or my blogging all the copy for the website uh, and so on. Um, and then I've also got an iPhone with voiceover, which I use mainly to sort of browse my social media feeds. Because generally I'm just finding that the apps for Facebook and Twitter in particular are more accessible for me that way. So I've all, and then obviously I can get notified more easily um, in that way. But obviously, it is quite a visual job as well. Um, you know, photos and so on are so important in terms of getting content. Um, initially, when I first started my work, a lot of my colleagues helped me out and I would write the posts and be like, can you help me do photos? And then when I got the job and, and kind of have, have been learning, um, I got the support of Access to Work to get myself a support worker who helps me with kind of like the more visual elements. So, you know, when we're out on location, um, doing an event or, um, you know, I'll ask her, can you take a picture of this or can we go and film this person? And so she kind of helps with all those kind of visual things, making sure we're all in shot. And we work together that way to, to kind of get the content out there. And do you think that kind of collaboration is beneficial because you get you know, the, the use of your tech, as you said, for things like writing, where you don't actually need human support. But then when you do maybe need someone to take a picture or to look at pictures you've taken, do you think that's really useful for a blind person to have access to those kinds of supports in the workplace? I do think that's useful. Um, and I think one of the things that we sometimes fall into the trap of as blind people is that we want to be super independent and do everything ourselves. And the reality is that sometimes it's just more efficient to get help and say, do you know what, I can't do this as quickly, but I'm going to be better in my job, more appreciated to get more done if I get someone else's help when I need it. So for me, it's um, not about you know, I would never say, oh, do all this for me all the time because I'd feel terrible and guilty and it just wouldn't be good for my own personal development. But it's just about, you know, working with someone, getting the support and just saying, you know, sometimes you just need a bit of help. Everybody needs help with something. You know, not all of us are pilots. We need someone to fly us from A to B, right? So we need, we're all interdependent. Um, and I think when VI is just about saying, you know, can I have a little bit of help here and there? And it just makes you a lot more efficient sometimes, in my view. I am so glad that you mentioned the word interdependence, because I think we don't talk about it enough. And interdependence is this idea that as a society, we all rely on one another. You know, a CEO might be at the top of their organization, but if the cleaner never came in, their building would be in a terrible state. And if you went to the supermarket and nobody had stocked the shelves, you wouldn't be able to buy food. So it is totally true that as blind people and I think as disabled people overall but certainly within the blind community we have this idea that we must do things ourselves and I think that really comes from people not believing we're capable so we almost feel like we have to prove that we are but then we lose sight of the fact that actually everyone relies on each other so I know sighted people who aren't so good at using technology and in the workplace they may say oh well I'll do a bit more of the paper filing if you don't mind you know filling in 
these forms online for me. So it's actually really normal for sighted people to rely on each other and to kind of juggle workplace tasks based on strength. So I think sometimes as blind people, we need to embrace that a bit more. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people have come to me at work and gone, oh, Kevin, you're techie. You know, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me out? So it's like we, we can all help each other, definitely. Right. So you really bring your skills to the table as well. That is so great. Um, I have one question which isn't about work, actually, but about your music and kind of your extra interests. So you are still involved in music, I believe. And can you tell me about some of the cool musical things you've done outside of your job since you've been an adult? Because I think you've done some interesting stuff. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, definitely still very much involved um, in music. Um, I joined the Power Orchestra um, a couple of years ago, and the Power Orchestra was set up by Charles Hazelwood uh, to kind of get disabled musicians uh, more work and more recognised, because that's one of the biggest barriers in the music industry is that disabled musicians are just not getting the work. Um, and it was set up uh, to play at the closing of the Paralympics. And ever since then, the orchestra is just doing great stuff. So I was really, really honoured to be accepted as one of the members a couple of years ago. So we've done a couple of things with them. I've done a couple of things with them. And then I'm also a member of the Innervision Orchestra, which is Britain's um, first orchestra of blind musicians. And one of the best projects I did with them, again, a couple of years ago, was going to India and we collaborated with other blind Indian musicians and played in Delhi and Mumbai. Um, so those experiences were, were, you know, really amazing. That is really cool to have been able to use your interest to travel and to contribute to this team, you know, because being an orchestra is part of a team. So mm. I think that's honestly amazing that's really cool I'm not a musician in the slightest so I'm always slightly humbled by all the blind people I know who are because unfortunately I did not inherit that genetic trait so common in blind people <laughs> you know it's interesting that there are so many blind people that are in into music somebody was uh, at a conference a few years ago was saying that they did this study about blind musicians having perfect pitch so the, the ability to hear a note and know exactly what it is which and normally, apparently, is only found in one in 10,000 people, but they did this study and 47% of blind people can do it, which is just very interesting. I think it's something about how we use our hearing a lot more, obviously. Um, you know, I'm not saying that our hearing is, you know, a super sense or anything like that, but it's just that we use it and we, we tune into things a little bit more naturally because, you know, sound is our world. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I wish it was something I could say I can do, but sadly not. It's fine. You can do plenty of other stuff, Holly, you know, so it's all good. <laughs> well, yeah, we all have different strengths. Absolutely. <laughs> so one final question is, what would you say to either a young blind person or a blind person who's just lost their vision and who's feeling a bit lost about their future in terms of their career? I think I would just say to them, try out different things, um, ask for help from and advice from people that you know. You know, it's so valuable to just reach out and, and ask for tips from people and you never know what, you know, what's going to come from that. Um, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, I, again, on Audioboo, I was listening to a, a 
a content producer, a, you know, a radio documentary maker, and her stuff was very interesting. So I just reached out to her and said, I really love your content. Um, and she got in touch and said, oh, you know, let's meet up and stuff like that and have a coffee. And it was just a really valuable thing to be able to chat with someone. And she gave me some tips. And now we've got that, that kind of relationship where she's like, anything that you do, um, just send it across and I'll have a listen. And she's given me feedback on my work because, you know, funnily enough, I am in communications. I do music, but one of my, my passions to one day get into would be, um, you know, radio journalism or, or working in radio because I just absolutely love it. Um, I did some work experience at the BBC a few years ago. But going back to that question, you know, if you're not sure about your career, just try different things. Um, ask for tips and advice from other people um, and just keep persisting. I think the reality is, you know, it's it's not an easy ride these days, but I think just keep knocking on those doors. And sometimes your second option might be the best option to get you started. You know, you might not always want to work in a start off sector, but if that's what you want to get into, fine. If that's what's going to get you uh, the, your CV boosted, fine you know take the your second option to to build yourself up i think that's really important as long as because once you're in you know once you've got your foot in the door once you've got that experience it, it becomes so much easier because you've got a track record to show people i absolutely love that advice i think that is really really great advice and will help people so lastly if people want to connect with you where can they find you online Sure. So people can uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, Kevin Satizabal, read the, read the description. Um, and I'm also to be found on Clubhouse these days as well. <laughs> so if you, if you join, that's another way that, that you can connect with me as well. Yes, Clubhouse is booming and I am at Catch These Words on Clubhouse, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And it was really great to talk to you about your experiences, both in your life and in work. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me, Holly. Yeah, of course. You have been listening to Working Blind. If you like the podcast, remember to subscribe on any of your favorite podcasting apps. If you want to connect with me, you can follow me on Twitter or Clubhouse at Catch These Words. That's C A T C H T H E S E W O R D S. You can also find me on the web at catchthesewords.com. All episodes of this podcast are transcribed on my website. If you want to help fund transcription costs, go to paypal.me forward slash catch these words.